This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game, and we are bringing you... Another Keystone Agency, Mr. Steve Munn from Augusta, Georgia. What's going on, Steve? Just happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. So we were talking right before we got on. I see the hockey jersey in the background. I heard ever so faint accent mixed with a little Georgia, you know, just a little. Yeah, yeah. So the accent's you, all jacked up. Why don't you give that a... <laughs> My wife's from Jersey, and I've never seen somebody go from zero to ghetto Jersey so fast oh. in my life as to when she gets back home. I've, like, I lived in Jersey myself. I can, I can, I've got some eyewitness accounts of that. So, yeah, absolutely. It's like you get her around a pack of her friends, and it's a real Housewives uh, series waiting to happen. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, so man, so I grew up in a town of 150 people in Maymont, Saskatchewan, which is Western Canada. It's like six hours north of the border, um, north of Montana, North Dakota. Well, my parents had the general store in my hometown, Mun's General Store. If we didn't have it, you didn't need it. Uh, we're about 30 miles from the big city, about 13,000 people in North Alfred. <laughs> um, of course, you know, what else are you going to do? Uh, you're going to play some hockey uh, growing up. And, and so, yeah, played Played some junior hockey after high school in British Columbia, and then I played college hockey upstate New York at, at RPI, um, little Div One school. Is that Rensselaer? Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Yeah. Yes, sir. A lot of people don't know uh, don't know RPI. Yeah, you're the master of worth. The master of worthless knowledge strikes yeah. again. Say, yeah. If there's one person that does know it, it's you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you yeah. know, listen. I will tell you why. And it's because when you and you you probably fell into this a little bit, but when you're an athlete in high school and you're being recruited, some people are more aggressive than others. And for whatever reason, man, Rensselaer found out originally. I thought I might want to be a chemical engineer coming out of uh, coming out of, of high school, and I, I was um, being scouted for baseball. And I mean, I got something from them at least once a week. I yeah. mean, that's the that's the main reason why I know who they are. Yeah, there you go. Fair yeah. enough. I mean, good. They had a good program. They were, their their baseball program was good when I was there. 
Another one was Letourneau University out of, I think it's in Texas somewhere. They were heavy and, and Barry out of Miami, like okay. spent way more money than the division one schools trying to recruit. It was just insane to see how it worked. Like, yeah. and I've never heard of any of these schools and I don't, you're like the first person I've ever met that actually went to Rensselaer. So yeah, well, there you go. They're, you know, they are out there. Yeah. I mean, super small school. I think it's only 5,000 students. But it's engineering, architecture, computer science, and thankfully, they've got a management school for the hockey, like hockey team. Like there you low. go. Uh, we need we need some uh, some easier uh, uh, curriculum here, guys. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, graduated uh, in '02 with a you know uh, bachelor's in management, concentration in finance. Went straight into the minors. Uh, played in the minors for like nine years. Uh, kind of. A little bit of double A in the ECHL, uh, you know, a couple of years in the AHL. Went to the UK. I got my MBA uh, while I was playing uh, for a team in, in Sheffield, England. Loved it there. Uh, was going to quit, uh, get a big boy job. And then a uh, buddy taught me to go play in, in the Asian League in Japan. It's great. Most money I ever made. Easiest schedule, 36 games. I got hit wow. four times all season. I mean, it was just like, it was, it was what my body I didn't know needed. Asian hockey was a thing. Yeah, yeah they like neither did I. Neither the did most I, polite but... hockey players on the face well, of the earth. Did they apologize weird. if they accidentally bumped into you? No, no, no. <laughs> definitely no apologies. There was like, straight, like long strings of expletives that I obviously didn't understand. Well, that's not true. They, they could cuss pretty good in English. They, they had that stuff figured, nice. figured out, but. Yeah, no, uh, it was good because it wasn't nearly as physical as what I was used to and my body needed at that point. And then did one more year after that. We missed England, so we went back to England for one more year. And then I hung them up and uh, moved back to Augusta in 2011. It was one of my stops uh, in the minors along the way. My first wife's from Augusta. So we moved back here to be with, uh, you know, near her family. Maymont, Saskatchewan wasn't uh, really on the list of destinations post-hockey career. So uh been here ever since. So, yeah. So how how rough and tumble is Saskatchewan? I mean, I've been to Montana and for it to be that much further north, like how I mean, how brutal are the winners? Like, do you just have like moose standing in your front yard for no reason? Like I just, <laughs> just I, I'm trying to get a yeah. picture of it because I couldn't believe when we went to Montana, we flew into Billings, we drove two or three hours, made a right on a dirt road and drove another two hours to get to where we were actually staying. Yep. And there was nothing just not like, for me, bro. Well, this is all pre cell phones, right? There wasn't really internet. There wasn't really cell phones. So unplugging wasn't really an issue anymore because believe it or not, Kyle, there was a time in my life when, when we went to the grocery store, nobody could get a hold of us. I used to actually, if my, my brother and sister started fighting, Whoa, it's funny. I would like, call how the old grocery do you think store. I am, man? Like you, like you mentioned on the last episode about having to dial seven digits to, to call the girl in middle school or whatever. Like, bro, I grew up with landlines. I didn't have a cell phone until I was like a senior. Did you have school. a dial on your phone or was it push button? There, there was the first phone that I remember in my parents' house and in my grandparents' house was a rotary deal. And it was four years before you were born. Maybe, but they still had it in their house. And I, anyhow, I, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm going to continue to use hyperbole <laughs> to highlight your youngness. Um, anyhow, but no, I'm interested, man. I've never been up there. I've been to British Columbia. I've been to other parts of Canada, but I mean, is it, 
Is it pretty much wilderness up that way? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 tons of farms, right? So, like, I grew up on the north side of the North Saskatchewan River, which is a freaking big river. Uh, so we had a little bit of scenery. Like, it was a little bit, you know, the river carved out a little bit of uh, hills in the land where I grew up. But for the most part, it's pretty flat, just tons and tons of farms. Um, and, and it's brutal. Like, it's the weather can be rough in the wintertime. I mean, Mountains? You, you, if you, you're outside and you got to take a leak, you can watch your pee stack up. I mean, it's oh, like, man. oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it can get really cold, like minus 40, minus 50. Now I'm definitely going to Saskatchewan. It's I always mean. windy. Like, you know, people up there are, are tough as hell. Like my grandmother, she just passed away earlier this year. She was 101. Yeah. And her family, uh, they they homesteaded in Saskatchewan. So they were like one of the first families there to break break the, the land and, and uh you know, they lived in a damn barn board shack uh, for the first like three three years. They just put a wood stove in there. It was like ten by ten or something like that, or eight by eight. That's crazy, and, man. And and like it was like literally like someone needs to keep feeding that fire, or we're just gonna die overnight. Yeah, That's, like they were awful. Like, they're so 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 much tougher than we are right now. Um, but yeah, it's 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 beautiful. Big sky. You got northern lights. I mean, we were there this summer. Um, you know, the sun sets like almost, you know, north, north, uh, west, like it doesn't set in the west. It sets in the north, northwest. So you're, hmm. I mean, it's, I, I got pictures of the northern lights this summer when we we're home and you can still see the sun, like the light on the horizon, but the northern lights are, are dead in front of you. Um, hmm. You know, and so you know, it, does, it? it doesn't like fully set up, up there, right? Or is it? I mean, it, it still gets dark. I mean, it, gets, okay. it definitely does to get dark, uh, but it's just not dark for as long as it is here. You know, the right. days are just way longer. And of course, so when, the flip side in the wintertime, I mean, you know, when I was going to school in, in wintertime, I mean, I was getting there in the dark at nine o'clock and it was, you know, I'm playing street hockey, you know, with my buddies and it's five o'clock and you know, you're walking home in the dark in the afternoon after school. <laughs> So yeah, it's just different. So Tough. the Northern Lights, does it look like it does over in Iceland? I mean, is it yeah. that pronounced? Wow. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. Sell it, man. Sell. I mean, tourist Saskatchewan needs to hire you as a spokesperson. Yeah. If you can stack your pee in the winter and see the Northern Lights, and if you can do it at the same time, holy cow, man, that's a party. Yeah. Heck yeah, absolutely. So listen, you just you you move out of um you move out of the the hockey, you know career now you're in insurance what's it look like what's it i mean how did you how did you make that decision well actually i didn't start in insurance uh my first big boy job was actually with a company called lawson products and uh it's a publicly traded company they're out of uh, chicago i sold uh industrial supplies so my clients that i had around here in augusta were like uh, I had a bunch of United Rentals shops. I had Club Car. I had Easy Go. I had John Deere. I had uh, I had golf courses like the Augusta National and the Augusta Country Club. So anybody that needed to keep a fleet going, anybody that needed to keep a factory going, anybody who had a maintenance department was was basically a client. And uh, and I was I was going it was going well. Like I was I was doing well. I was winning the you know award trips. You know top fifty sales reps get the trip to Turks and Caicos or whatever. It was going well. Uh, but like, it was a very like in-person business. Like I had to go to the plants. I had to go to the, uh, to the shops. Um, 
Like it wasn't like an internet thing. You couldn't just set it up like his guys needs changed all the time. So you had to be there like weekly. So for me to grow, it got to a point where I just was kind of like, I can't take on any more promotions to be to management were like a 30, $40,000 pay cut. And then I have to travel like four days a week. So I was like, eh, heck no, like this is, so I was kind of at a spot where like I was doing well, but like, I, it wasn't, it, you know, something was going to have to change. And a, a recruiter from Keystone reached out, out of the blue. And, uh, and I'm just like, I couldn't imagine anything more miserable than insurance. I was like, buddy, like you gotta, you're gonna, like, you're gonna have to prove yourself to me on this sales pitch, buddy. It was like, you know, I mean, I, I took risk, you know, in, in, uh, in my undergrad, I took, you know, a couple of risk classes in the MBA and I'm like, this like I would freaking snooze fast. Right. Like, like you're going to have to, you're going to sell me on this. And so, you know, but I heard him out and, and, you know, he's like made a compelling case. I'm in Georgia, a pasty white Canadian, you know, I could use a little more air conditioning in my life. I'm not, I'm not, I can't, you know, it was a struggle, uh, you know, day in, day out of these shops and factories. I'm like, well, it'd be nice to be on the carpet a little bit more, less on the concrete. And so uh, I started meeting with our agency principal, uh, Forrester Adams, and, uh, you know, liked, I mean, just genuinely liked the guy. He's, he, was, he was fun to talk to. I was excited about what his, his goals were for the, for the agency. He liked my background uh, as an athlete, but he also liked my background in sales because I was, I was going after the kind of business that he likes, you know? And then, and I remember one of our first meetings, uh, you know, and I still, I still say it today, I told myself this morning, but, you know, I want to go after workers, widgets and wheels. Right. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a, a aha moment. I was like, okay, well, I'm already going after all the workers, widgets and wheels. you know, workers work comp, the, the, the hairier, the better, the more problems you are, you have the better, like the more I can help. Um, you know, widgets, are you, are you making widgets? Are you manufacturing? Are you keeping a manufacturing facility going? Are you using widgets in your job? You know, that's a good client. Wheels, are you pushing dirt? You got a, a big fleet of yellow equipment. Are you uh, delivering stuff? You have just a bunch of F-150s because you're a con- construction company. We can help with those, right? So it's kind of like, all right, well, there might be something to this. And, and so, you know, it's been well, three and a half years, made the jump. Uh, you know, I kind of joke, uh, you know, as I'm on my third career as an adult, you know, every, you know, decade or so, I try and switch careers and take none of my previous work experience with me. So, you know, so that's just, uh, it would be so awesome though. If you went to cold call on somebody and they threw up an objection and you threw them into the boards, I mean, it would be fantastic. (laughs) Well, thought has crossed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. There's been some some moments where, uh, you know, it's, you know, when I, when I was playing hockey, you know, you're having a bad day. Essentially, your you know your coach would be like, like, you suck. Like maybe you should just go like fight somebody. And I'd be like, oh, thank you. Okay, yeah, let's go. You know, and you just take all your frustrations and HR is just you know you just can't really do that. Sam HR. Yeah, it'd be like having Terry Tate office linebacker except in a hockey uniform. Yeah, it's it's definitely crossed my mind. Yeah, I uh, and I miss that. I miss you know I miss being able to go take somebody's head off. 
Hit to the soul. Yeah. yeah. So what? Um. So, so when you made the jump, you know, yeah. obviously you kind of in your head had what that might look like, and you were like, you know, that sounds terrible. So obviously, it you know it hasn't been all terrible terrible for you. Like, what was something that maybe surprised you after kind of getting your feet wet in the insurance industry? Well, the, the biggest surprise for me uh, was uh, they had warned me that the first couple of years were pretty miserable. And in, my, <laughs> and in my arrogance, I thought, well, that's kind of for most other people. You know? Yeah, it's for sure. everybody else, not me. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, come on, man. You know? Uh, so, yeah, that was that was certainly surprising for me. Uh, you know, um, I know you, you're about to have – Did you, have you released Robert Sutter's uh, – I think it came out yesterday. That, okay. Well, I'm excited to see it. One of the first things they had me do is go see Robert Sutter. And he's like, lays out all these great ground rules for engagement. And man, I, I, I broke every single one of those. I had my, mm. you know, you know I'd, I'd set myself up for failure so many different ways and uh, just chasing that commission. I mean, like two feet, heartbeat, I'll take the meeting. Let's go, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, I, 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 I learned a lot of, hard lessons early on and, and, uh, but you know, I got better and better and I, I had, you know, the, the, the losses were less, the wins were more. Um, yeah, there's, there's some great, great moments along the way. Certainly some, still some frustrations here or there. You know, one of the Robert Sutter was certainly excellent at the start for me, but, uh, I know you guys know them well, but Preston Diamond and Kevin Ray at the Institute of Work on Professionals. Mm-hmm. When I when I really kind of doubled down and engaged with those guys, that's when I really started making positive changes. So, um, you know, just you know, dedicating myself to learning work comp and being freaking useful in a meeting with with people was really really a game changer for me because I'm so competitive. And I want to be the best and not, you know, having that much experience. It was hard coming in because I wanted to be everything to, to people. And I really like, well, it's like, I'm relying on my team a lot, but I want to be the guy. I want to be the guy my team relies on. Right. And so getting like, doubling and tripling down on educational work comp really kind of gave me a lot of confidence. Um, I just owe, I owe you know, a ton of gratitude to, to Preston and Kevin for, for all their help and kind of bringing me along not that you know really really kind of changed my approach then i started approaching sales from a work comp perspective and a problem solving perspective educational perspective and man like it's it just made a great difference nice yeah so let me ask you this i mean as far as skill set goes obviously when you play team sports of any kind you develop um the ability to work with other people you know, that you learn leadership to a certain degree, you learn grace to a certain degree. How, how has that skill set that you developed over what really is the majority of your life, I suspect playing hockey helped you to be successful in the agency world? Oh man, a lot of different ways. I uh, love, I love the, I love the way you laid that out because I, uh, I, I learned so much from sports. Like I, you know, I've got a big fancy education, like that R- RPI degree, like that'll cost you 60, 70 grand a year. Right. Um, you know, my MBA, University of Sheffield, that's a top 10 university in the UK. 
I got a really shiny education, but I learned a hell of a lot more in the locker room uh, and from my teammates and from my coaches uh, and about life and, and, and everything, uh, you know, through, through hockey and through sports. And, um, you know, it's, it's been really good for me. I feel like I really focus on my relationships with my account managers. I always express gratitude. I always thank them, you know, whether it's a huge deal or a small deal, it's still important. And so like, I know, like I try and be a good teammate. Right. So that's, that's, a, that's a really a big thing. Uh, you know, we've got some, a couple of young producers in our, uh, in our office. We just hired this year, one in personal lines, one in uh, commercial lines and they're, you know, they're doing great. But, you know, I'm trying to be the little grizzled veteran of three and a half years, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty grizzled after three and a half years, trust me. But, um, you know, I'm trying to just trying to help them every chance I get, trying to be the good teammate, right? Um, you know, Forrester, as our principal, has, has trusted me to kind of have a seat at the table with our leadership team. Um, I have no idea if you guys would know what EOS is. Oh, yeah, we know traction. Yeah, yeah. So we decided we, we started doing traction this year. And uh, so up until we just hired a, a Heather Smith, who's an absolute rock star. We stole her from American Family. Um, she's our new chief of staff, VP, executive VP. So I was our integrator uh, uh, starting off on EOS and, and uh, you know, which was, which was, which was fun. It was, it was a stretch for me. That's not my personality. But, uh, yeah, I was gonna say, man, I don't know that I'd have you pegged to be the integrator. To be well, honest with you, where's the thing? The, I mean, in all of our deep, you know, deep conversations we've yes. had over the years, I, I've <laughs> nailed my assessment down over the last thirty minutes. But I mean, in all seriousness, I don't think. I think you know, I, I played competitive sports my entire life. Kyle, Kyle as well. Yeah. I, I'm more the visionary, a hundred percent. I don't want to be the integrator. I hate being the integrator. I, you know. I could do it if somebody said, no, you're the only option we have. Please go be the integrator. And then I would apply myself and be the best that I could possibly be in that role. But, yeah, you know, that's not my preference. So yeah. it's interesting to hear you say that because I wouldn't have pegged you to be the integrator just well, off a conversation. Yeah. So like our uh, our opening day with EOS with our uh, implementer, right? So we hired somebody to kind of coach us up on it. And like, you know, I read the book, read Traction, read Get get a Grip. Um, so I kind of have an expectation going in. And I know like, all right, I got to see the table. I'm probably going to get some kind of seat. I'm thinking marketing seat, you know, public relations seat, because I'm I'm definitely, you know, between Forrester and I, I'm way more out in the public, you know, networking and, and different things like that. I I had our admin pegged for the integrator. I was like, Lisa's got it. I mean, that's, that's just like a no-brainer, just like Forrester's the visionary. And then uh, when it came time to like, all right, who goes, which bum goes in what seat? And everybody on our team was like, well, Steve, you're obviously the integrator. I was like, hey, what? <laughs> like, have you met me? Like, or, like I'm a freaking mess. Like, no, like I can't. You've seen my desk. I can't organize. <laughs> I can't be in charge of this. Uh, so literally, like, the, like we had left the meeting and like uh, – I've known Heather for a long, long time. And uh, I was like, I called her. I was like, Heather, so hear me out. <laughs> you know? And uh, at that point, I was like, you know, they, I'd already introduced her to Forrester um, as somebody I think we really needed to be serious about bringing in. And I knew Heather would be perfect for this role. And she is. 
And that was like when, so day one as integrator, I found my replacement and, uh, you know, stepped on the gas for that. And, uh, and yeah, so she started with us, you know, we started the US in January. Uh, she started with us July 1st. And, you know, I just was talking to her before I came on this. And, uh, you know, she's been here, you know, two and a half months of just tons of positive change and like uh, really, really working on, on our culture and, and we had a strong foundation, but we're just fortifying for, you know, we're going to take off and it's, it's just fun to see. Um, yeah. So what's been, anyway, what, what's been uh, the biggest challenge with the, with the culture and kind of fortifying that? Oh gosh. Um, so it's a tricky one. You know, we, we've got, I'm a trickster. We had, we, had, we, we, had, we're under a little bit of stress right now. Our service team, we're, we're at least one person short. Um, you know, not uncommon for agencies right now. It's sure. Super hard to find people, right? Um, we had a we had a pretty uh, uh, young young gentleman that we were really high on that we saw as becoming an exact account executive, like probably in a year, uh, maybe maybe a little more than a year. Uh, we just needed to grow a little bit more. Have a little bit more kind of big complex accounts where like for us our, our, we have an account executive that he works on our biggest accounts most complex accounts and that's where we saw this young man kind of going in but in the meantime we needed him to be an account manager you know um so we're not quite there but this is where we want you to go well he took an opportunity to uh go to the position we wanted him to be in we just weren't ready yet so we're happy for him we're really really happy for him but that's a big hole. Like he was, he was good. He was a great team member. He's a really, really sharp insurance mind. Um, great teammate, you know, there early, stayed late. I mean, he just was, so, uh, so we're missing him and we, and we need, you know, we're, we're being picky. We're not just going to, you know, take anybody off the street because they have to be, you know, they have to be a good fit for us, you know? Sure. Um, and so that's like right now, uh, you know, you ask, you know, the hardest part of the culture thing, it's, it's really kind of dealing with the stress. I mean, cause we're, we're busy, like we're growing and our service team needs help. And How so, big's the agency? Uh, we've got about 15, well, 14 okay. and a half people. We got, uh, one, one part-time. So she's going to, she's going to school. Um, and, so and what's how about business mix? Are you predominantly commercial? Um, or is it yeah, across the probably, board? Probably 80% commercial. We do have a, a first lines department where we kind of focus on uh, you know, uh, middle class and, and up uh, business. Um, as far as commercial goes, we do, we have some uh, group captive clients. That's kind of uh, something we've been leading within the area uh, quite a bit the last few years. Um, but mostly generalists. We do have a lot of real estate developers, kind of kind of did a little inventory that, you know, recently we're like, you know what? I almost kind of got a little niche here of uh, real estate developers. And I think we're, we're certainly going to, you know, focus on that strength. Uh, definitely have a, a niche with uh, churches. We've got um, hmm. 49. We're working on the elusive number 50 right now. Um, and we've got, you know, most of our churches are local to Augusta, but we have some really big churches in Atlanta and Charleston and Savannah as well. So we're, we're really good at those, um, you know, but we've got manufacturing and we've got construction, um, 
nonprofits and private schools. You know, Augusta's, you know, 600,000 people-ish, you know, in the metro area. Um, so it's kind of hard to kind of drill down on just one thing, but uh, yeah. So what have you decided you're going to hang your hat on? I mean, I know what you said you originally thought coming in, but if you... Yeah. Have you found any particular area or areas that you really have decided aren't miserable in insurance? I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm like, I got this love hate affair right now with FedEx delivery guys. So, uh, you know, I've got, uh, you know, five, five of them right now and uh, working on, yeah, working on another one right now. Uh, I thought that was going to be my thing for a bit. And then, uh, and then, and then I just like, it went all cold on me and so that hurt my feelings. And then, uh, you know, I've, I've done, I've got a little manufacturing. I would love to build that out. Um, you know, the tricky part with manufacturing, a lot of them are giant multinationals headquarters in Germany, you know, so it's not always easy to, uh, no, but if you see those, Typically, you're going to find the feeder fish that are manufacturing the components around whatever yeah. their end product is. I yeah, mean, right. um, I've seen that happen a bunch. I, I know when I lived in Birmingham, Alabama, and Mercedes decided they were going to start building the M class down in Vance around where Tuscaloosa was, yeah. that um, we saw these machine shops that were all making different machined parts just mm. come from nowhere. Yeah. And they're not, they're not small. I mean, you're talking 40, 50 employees in some cases that's good business all day for me. So if you have a healthy amount of the big guys, there's usually some infrastructure that supports them because they're not making that whole thing from soup to nuts. Typically it's um, minimal actual fabrication and a lot of assembly because they can do it cheaper by bringing those parts from other people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, so one of the things I've tried to do to kind of build out the the manufacturing and industrial stuff is I'm uh, there's a, a group called the Industrial Network Group. Um, and uh, starting in January, I kind of took over as our chapters coordinator. And uh, so it's up to me to line up uh, speakers for the monthly meetings and things like that. And it's been it's been really good for me. Like uh, so, I, you know, I can I can use it as a disarming way to like, all right, hey, come check out this meeting. But I can also have clients in the group so i can cozy them up to nice clients that can tell them how great i am it's way more believable if someone else tells someone how great i am versus me telling sure uh you know so that's been that's been good for me uh you know um getting getting plugged into a group like that because it's it's kind of like you know everybody's heard of bni i I always say it's kind of like bni for adults you know it's kind of it's bni typically is like kind of transactionals you know uh, good for, for transactional business, but this is like, this is good, like relationship, uh, driven, you know, uh, helpful networking. Um, you know, one of the, you know, uh, Scott Addis, uh, uh, ideas that's fantastic. That's really worked for, well for me too, is just having that idea of that, uh, re- research board, prospect research board, um, yeah, I call them a future client research squad because it's a way funner acronym. And uh, so, uh, so I meet with them quite regularly and, uh, you know, that's pretty good. You know, I just got a lead from a banker, uh, you know, one of my banker COIs yesterday and, you know, multi, multi-location restaurant, it's a restaurant tour. So, you know, um, 
Works yeah, I'd good. have to imagine a banker's a good connection for you. Yes, yes, very good. So, um, but yeah, that's 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 one of the that's been one of the greatest things for me. You know, not being from here, um, you know, I don't have nearly the network as as our principal forester. You know, kind of grew up here. Um, you know, I talk funny. Yeah, kind of like people get a little suspicious. Like, Sounds like a Yankee. You know, I don't know <laughs> if we should trust them. It's like, no, I'm Yankee Deluxe. I'm, I'm not. I'm you know, north of the Yankees. So, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, people may not uh, warm to me as quickly as I would like. So, uh, you know, I've been, I've been, I've had to be really super intentional about my networking. You know, I enjoy it. I mean, I love connecting people. You know, I love uh, opening doors for people. It's fun to see other people succeed and, you know, eventually they return the favor, hopefully. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. So serious question. I've been thinking about this now for like 45 minutes, but you live in what may, many would consider to be the golf capital of the United States. Yes. And you've got a hockey jersey hanging around behind you. So I got to know, man, when you go to tee off yeah. with your with your prospects or your clients, are you going full happy Gilmore in the <laughs> tee box or what are we doing here? Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it I need, I need to, I need to know that you take three steps back and you have the happy Gilmore approach. And when you swing and miss yell out, is that goal regulation size or what? That, I mean, uh, yeah. that's what I need. I have, I've scared a few people here and there. Uh, <laughs> I bet me, I've scared more. <laughs> they realize like my, your knuckles aren't supposed to be white when you have your driving. So yeah, I remember for a long time, like man, like you should maybe just try and get some tempo in your swing. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm gonna kill it, you know. Just try to hit it as hard as you can. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of hockey man. guys that are good at golf, though. I mean, it's all about the hand-eye coordination. Yeah. Hey, yeah. we're I don't know. I mean, Steve, I don't know if you know this or not. We're in a bit of a hockey town here in Tampa. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, just awesome. little little bit of a little bit of notoriety for hockey here the last several years, but yeah. um. Boy, when you, I remember when the lightning first came to Tampa, I had season tickets back in 92 or 93, whenever it was. Yeah. And I played in, I, I played in a, uh, actually, this is when we were at the fairgrounds, man. And there weren't oh. like people were getting taken out in the bleachers by pucks, literally like happy <laughs> Gilmore's uncle. I mean, it was insane, but, um, or dad or whoever it was, but, um, yeah. I remember playing in a charity golf tournament with a bunch of the guys from the lightning, like Rob Zaminer, Roman Hammerlick, yeah, um, you awesome. know, a bunch of those guys, not a golf swing. Like, uh, and, yeah. and by the way, I, let me just preface this, Steve. I'm a terrible golfer. Kyle will happily let you know that I'm a horrible yeah. golfer. So when you said you probably scared a few people, I can assure you I've scared at least as many as you have yeah. and maybe even more, but, um, <clears throat> How does the swing transition, man? Does it, it I mean, do you have a well, fluid golf swing or are you kind of just pulling the hockey swing and hoping for the best? Oh, here's the thing. Uh, yeah. You know, use Google. You're going to see, if you look up uh, like hockey statistics, I was not a goal school. Okay. It's probably not the best shot to start with. So, uh, you know, swing mechanics, probably not in a great place uh, to begin with. So, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've worked a lot on my swing. It's gotten a lot better. You know, I think earlier this year I shot my career best 81. Here you go. Yeah, yeah man. That's respectable. Very I solid. Mean, I, I, honestly, I'm usually happy for break 90. Um, Me you too. Know, I, can knock, I mean, when it goes the way I want it to go, I can knock it like 300 plus, you know, which is really fun when it happens. For sure. Doesn't always happen that way. Um, 
Ah, same exactly. thing for David. I mean, when he gets a hold of it, he gets a hold of it. But that's about I mean, a one in seventeen shot for me. About right? one, one out of yeah. every once, seventeen once actually goes a mile yeah. straight. Yeah. So one of my uh, so m- my youngest brother, one of his buddies, played hockey in our like um, our high school here for whatever reason um, that I went to. Like we won a couple state championships when I was there, and then. Nice. Um, I think they won one and he's, so my brother is like nine and a half years younger than me and my youngest brother. But, um, I played golf with him and his buddy that was on the hockey team. And it was just like, I was watching the first couple holes and I was like, what the hell is going on with this thing? Like, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. And then I'm like, my, my, my brother mentioned something about the hockey team and I'm like, that's what it is. He was, dude, it was crazy. Once I finally, once the light bulb went off, like he was yeah. dropping down to a knee almost like he was hitting a, like he was just trying to hit a slapper right in there. And oh, I was like, and he was kind of like sliding forward. He was making okay contact. Like he's not yeah. a terrible golfer, but it was, I'm sitting there. I'm just like, dude, what is happening with this guy's swing? And that's what it was. I mean, but but then, like I said, it's a, it's a hand-eye coordination thing too, where, you know, you got some guys like, I think, uh, I think Jeremy Roenick's a pretty solid golfer. I think he was out there playing. I think he's got stories about playing with MJ back yep. in the day. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Taking money off MJ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Drink, it, drinking dr- cases of beer and then, <laughs> and then going and playing a game. Yeah. Was that, that had to be on the last dance or something. Cause you know what I'm talking about. It was, yeah. I, I can't remember where I picked that up. Maybe it was just a post on Instagram or something like that, but that's funny stuff, man. Um, so like what, I mean, you're new, you're new enough in the role where you probably, you know, can recall things from, from the beginning of it more so than, yeah. than somebody like David. So like, what would you say, what would you give as a piece of advice to, um, you know, somebody who's, who's new in the producer role, who's maybe just getting into the insurance industry? What's, what's a piece of advice you'd have for them? Uh, well, there's probably a few, I mean, the first would be, uh, you know, invest, invest in yourself. Right. So the time I spent with Kevin and Preston, you know, became a certified work comp advisor then became a master work comp advisor. I mean, that was, it gave me confidence. Right. I was like, I, like I said before, I was, I was finally useful to somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. So definitely like become dangerous in something, you know, recently I've, I've uh, been doing a lot on cyber. So I did the Scott Addis uh, class in the spring, uh, accredited cyber risk advisor, you know, just did a presentation on Thursday last week at the Augusta Metro Chamber of Commerce, you know, nice. how to become insurable in this crazy cyber environment. Yeah, so it maybe, starts with multi-factor authentication, people. Everybody and their brother doesn't want to do it. And I can promise you, there is nothing in this world worse than me needing to log into my laptop when my computer, uh, my phone is over on the other side of the room at three oh, o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like literally balanced on my big toe as <laughs> the only thing touching the mattress, trying to stretch across <laughs> and grab my phone so that I can approve it. But I mean, that in endpoint detection is huge right now, man. And it's things that people you know, kind of no need to be done, but they don't ever really do anything about it. And it used to be that you could go to some of these cyber carriers and they would just charge you a little bit more if you didn't have it. Now it's right. non-negotiable. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely learn, learning, uh, learning a specialty or I don't know if that's the right word for it, but 
like I said just before, you know, the becoming dangerous and work comp is useful for me. Same with the cyber right now. But yeah, other advice for young producers, you know, for ours that we have in our office, Abby and, and uh, Samantha, you know, I'm so excited for them to get plugged in with Scott Addis's training. You know, we're a beyond insurance agency. And, um, you know, if you can learn, you know, Scott's approach, you know, and, and make it your own, um, you're going to just save yourself a hell of a lot of heartache, you know. Um, the, the, the hardest part is sticking to it, right? The hardest part is, is walking away when, uh, when, when you see the red flags that, you know, they're going to be a commodity shopper or maybe, maybe. Especially when you're new, right? Like trying to just get book, the business on the books. Exactly, exactly. And that's, you know, tons of my broken hearted moments in the first couple of years were, were stuff like that. You know? Sure. And even recently, I mean, we just worked on a church that, that we shouldn't have worked on. I mean, frankly, we, we got a little pressure from our, uh, you know, one of our primary church markets to get more submissions. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't get all the info. We weren't really able to work our process to start, but, you know, we thought, well, we've got enough to, to do, you know, and, and, and we, we, I mean, I, I had, I had a bad feeling the whole time. It's like, well, the carrier wants to see more submissions. Let's just do it. You know, it should be a zero surprise that we didn't get it. Zero. No, but it's, I <laughs> mean, that's certain. the toughest thing, man. That's the toughest thing for producers to deal with is, yeah. you know, you hear, you hear guys like us chirping about, make sure you have your ideal prospect, only go after your ideal prospect. Meanwhile, you have your agency principal in the other ear saying, hey, where's my production? I need more submissions. You can't bind it without submitting it. You know, we need to get some things moving or we're going to have to have a different conversation. It's tough, man. You have, I mean, I don't know of anybody who starts out with no experience in the industry and doesn't cave to that pressure at some point. It's easy for me 20 years in to sit back and say, nope. They either play by our rules or we don't play the game. But that is where I'm at at this point. Yeah. And it is much easier to to, to write business that way. Um, yeah. At least the business that you want to write that's going to stick in your book and that you can make a material difference in. And that's what I want to do. I don't want to go meet with somebody and quote insurance and write a policy so that I can hang around for a year and get paid for it and not do anything. I want somebody who values what we do that we can drive an immediate impact on that's going to be my client for the foreseeable future and understands when we engaged and the results we achieved after engaging with them. So. Yeah, not for sure. It's, you know, you know, I tell people all the time, I want to be in the same category as your CPA, as your lawyer. You know, I don't want to be a vendor. I want to be an advisor, you know, we tell them that, but you know what? Our behavior dictates otherwise, most of the time. And when I say our behavior, I'm talking about the industry at large. That's one of the reasons why I'm such a big proponent of doing a fee-based agreement instead of taking commission for placing insurance. I'd rather write everything net a commission so that I can judge charge my client a fee. And then I don't have to have that conversation, right? You don't see other than the plaintiff's attorneys, you don't see lawyers or accountants working on commission. Right. Their their compensation's not tied to the sale of a product. They're getting paid for their intellectual capital and they're getting paid a good hourly rate for that. Yeah. You know, I think that agents number one 
they they want to be considered trusted advisors in that same light. But let's call it what it is. Most insurance agents, not most, almost every insurance agent doesn't have the base level college education that those people have. So we have to go out and push ourselves to do, you know, get designations, get involved in programs, you know, like what Scott has with Beyond Insurance Group Network, all of those things. That's how you can get there. But you know, the problem is in our industry, unlike being a lawyer and accountant, you don't have to have that formal education. You simply have to be able to pencil whip continuing ed every year or two online to prove that you got your hours in. And that's it. You know, that's why I got into the industry because it's full of a bunch of people that are average, period. They don't have the drive to push themselves to be better because they're making $150,000 a year to do enough to get by. That's great for them. If, I mean, they live a great lifestyle. Yeah. You know, I you know that's just not how I'm wired, man. If I can't get it all, I don't want it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go until I can get as much as I absolutely can. And so, you know, th- not that I, I I wanted to jump up on my soapbox, but to your point, yeah. you know, we want to be the trusted advisor, but we don't want to do the work to be the trusted advisor. Period. We think that if we can place the insurance real good. You know, we're going to, we're going to get some credibility. That's not the case. Yeah, not for sure. It's a, uh, it's such a, it is such a freaking balancing act. You know, you want to overpromise and under deliver and, uh, and you certainly can't be that trusted advisor to everybody. I mean, obviously like the, I mean, you can't do that for the single location barbershop, right? I mean, what the heck, you know, what, how can I help you? You know, let's uh, get up in there and be giving people fades. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Dangerous with the Clippers. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's 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 the the trick. That, but like you said, though, we've as an industry, we've done ourselves such a disservice because we've trained everybody to shop on price. We've trained everybody to get three quotes or whatever. We've trained everybody to, you know, just look at that bottom line, not get into the forms and the exclusions. You know, mm-hmm. that's our fault. You know, and. Yeah, you, know, you can't watch primetime TV without yeah, exactly. giving 15% or you know, lowest rates, shop us, you know, save 40, you know, whatever. It's just like it's no wonder everyone is terrible at shopping for their insurance. Well, we're the ones who taught them. I mean, I've probably yeah. said it a thousand times on the podcast. Yeah. They learn from us, and when we act like prostitutes, they're gonna treat us like they're pimps, right? I mean, that's just the yeah. way that it works. Yeah. We're gonna whore ourselves out to place your coverage for the year. And then when you fire us and smack us and send us to the curb, we don't like it. But what do we get? Yeah. We got what we deserve because that's what we acted like. That's why, you know, and I don't I was in a in an um, agency that's part of the Beyond Insurance Group network for a very short period of time before I left and launched Florida Risk. So I'm not intimately familiar with Scott's process, but I am with mine. And that is, we're not even going to go after placing the insurance until after we're hired. You know, if you want me, it's going to be based off of the value proposition. It's going to be based off of the risk assessment we do for you. It's going to be based off of the solutions to the problems we present. And if you want us to come in and fix the issues, you can do that. And by the way, your insurance products, that's the funding mechanism for you to buy the value proposition. You're going to, we're going to teach you how to use money you're already spending to get what you should be getting and you aren't, right? And so by the time, that's why when 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 it gets into price shopping and everything else, 
that's a first meeting problem for us. That is not a, hey, we're going to quote and try and win the business problem because if we don't feel like you um, are going to be the right type of client for us and if we don't do a good job of articulating our ground rules of doing business with us, then getting to the point where you waste time quoting never happens because we've been hired for months before we're ever going to go to market. And that's one of the reasons, you know, there's, there's just a whole lot of reasons why that works. The problem is, again, we want instant gratification. We don't want to delay that. So why go get hired until we can get paid? Why go invest? These people will probably screw me. They'll let me go in and do all my work and then won't give me the, the business at renewal. You know what? If that happens, you did a bad job of pre-qualifying your prospect. Okay, I am 100% confident if I get in front of somebody and I, do, I lay out the value proposition, I say, look, I know your renewal's not coming up, but these are the things we're going to do. Here's a letter of engagement that says you're going to hire my firm to do this. I'm not going to charge you now, but it's understood we will place your insurance when the renewal comes up. We could do that. If I don't feel so good about them, I'm going to yeah. charge them a fee now yeah. and I'll still net the commissions out. And it'll be an off-cycle deal, but the fee will replace the commissions in the policy and the premiums will be reduced at renewal anyhow. Or the third option is we split found money. We open old audits that were messed up. We do experience modification factor analysis, file aggravated inequities and recover money from the carriers. And we'll split that money with the client so that they don't have to come out of pocket any money. But none of that is done without having a letter of engagement signed, period. Got to have it because- you know, if you're going to break your promise to me, I want it in writing that you broke your promise to me. Yeah, it's good. Somebody should write that down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe a little bit, but they're too busy. They're too busy quoting, man. Too busy yeah, yeah. working on working on quotes. So that's right. That's right. Well, listen, we've been going about an hour. I want to be respectful of your time. What do we leave out? Any any uh, nuggets you want to share with the? Rather right. large listing audience that's been hopefully still with us. I feel like we've had a really good convo here. Yeah, I know. I've enjoyed it. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Um, you are, what are you looking for like sage words of wisdom? You want to, you know, what are you, what are you, what are you looking for here? I don't know. I was really kind of hoping you were to tell me that you had this great idea to make your business card hockey pucks that you just fire into the lobby from the park. Uh, you know what? <laughs> With a so slap what? shot every time the door opens. I mean, that one would be a fantastic one my, move. One of my best buddies that lives here in Augusta, he ended up here the same way. He uh, he played for the Augusta Lynx, you know, the first Lynx. I was going to ask what the mascot yeah, was. Yeah, it was, it was the Lynx, yeah. Okay. Pretty cool. Pretty cool logo. But anyways, yeah, he's a Merrill Lynch advisor. Talk about a good golfer. The guy knocks the ball a mile. He only there uses his driver like par fives. That's it. It's like three iron, three wood. He hits it too far. But he's got his business card is like a little spongy, little uh, little hockey puck. Nice those, little stress ball things. And it's like, oh man, that's kind of what I want to do. So anyway, <laughs> um, I haven't thought of a cool giveaway yet for hockey. Damn it! Um, but I will say we are kicking around the idea of. We've done some some pretty good little social media videos here and there, but we're trying to like make a little bit funnier. So if you stay tuned, you follow us on social media, you know, Facebook page, Instagram, LinkedIn, you may see some uh, Steve and hockey esque stuff soon. Awesome, nice. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I'm still not sure how I feel about it, but we'll see. It'll be funny. It'll be it's something somewhere between like. The old ESPN uh, commercials. Oh, dude, I wish the they office. would bring some of those back, man. Those yeah. ESPN commercials used to be the best. I love every once in a while they'll throw on it'll like 
when they've got nothing else going on, like yeah. when all the real sports are over and, and baseball spring training just starts, like yeah. they, they throw on the, uh, the, the classic ESPN commercials for like an hour. So good. The Stuart Scott and, you know, Van Pelt on there is just the best. Yeah. That's kind of where, you know, I don't know. We've, we've got some scripts written, but we'll see. There you we'll go. See how it goes. So yeah, stay tuned for that. But, cool. Uh, otherwise, when you guys are any guests to come see me. Looks for like sure. you got a bit of a playoff beard in your LinkedIn pick. I just sent you a, a, a yeah. connection request yeah. okay. so that I can follow your hockey content or hold you accountable for producing it. If I don't see enough. That's right. That's right. Well, Hey, stay, speaking of hockey content, uh, nothing to do with insurance, but like, I'm, I'm trying to bring hockey back to Augusta. And, uh, so we're, I'm kind of in the middle of that charge as well. We're, we're working on bringing a, another minor league team back to Augusta. Um, because with it, we don't, we actually don't even have a, a community rink anymore here. Mm. So there's no place for youth hockey. There's no place for schlubs like me to play beer league. Um, you know, no place for public skating, figure skating. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty excited about that. We're, we're working with a guy that owns the Jacksonville Iceman. Um, great guy, uh, Andy Kaufman, out of Jacksonville, Florida. He's really interested in bringing a franchise here. We're working with uh, kind of local authorities on on the new arena for him. So that's that's kind of that's kind of fun. It's it's kind of like my little little uh, side deal right now that I'm excited about. So yeah, man. Sweet. I mean, back in the back in the day in Saskatchewan, you just grab like ten of your buddies, pee in a parking lot, and you've got instant rink, right? <laughs> Heck yeah! Heck yeah! <laughs> yeah, literally. I mean, yeah. There's a pond behind my house that we could we could skate on. Yeah. Uh, Everywhere in Saskatchewan is it's called dugouts. Like the farmers, they built these big they dig these uh, big holes to catch the runoff water so they can you know irrigate the fields or whatever. So you can just go to one of the dugouts, shovel off some snow, and see whatever you want. So yeah, there you go. Missed that, damn it. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, man, I want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate yeah. you spending some time with us, and I want to thank Melanie from Keystone for putting out the APB for podcast yeah. guests. I mean, we, uh, we've had a ton and it's all been yeah. a great conversation, man. So really yeah. appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and look forward to having this episode drop soon. Well, thanks guy. I, I got to say, I really enjoy you guys, you know, walking the thank dog, you. And listen to you guys and usually learn something, usually laugh a couple of times. So. <laughs> well, that's much appreciated, man. Yeah. Thank you very much. For sure. Have you a guys. great week, Steve. Talk right, to you guys. Take care. Later. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. <laughs>